Welcome to Logistics Business Conversations, where we talk with key spokespeople in the logistics industry about topical issues. Hosted by Peter McLeod, editor of Logistics Business Magazine. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. And thank you for joining us for this, our very first Logistics Business Conversations podcast. Today's edition is brought to you by Setlog, a tech company that develops supply chain management and vendor compliance software. It's my great pleasure to introduce to you today to my two guests. Joining us from Bochum in Germany is Guido Brackelsberg, co-founder and board member for Setlog. And speaking to us today from his office in New York is Nicholas Kierville, president and CEO of Setlog. Gentlemen, welcome to you both, and thank you for joining me today on Logistics Business Conversations. Turning to you first, Guido, please could you tell the listener a little bit about yourself and how you came to found Setlog? Uh, super cool. I'm very excited to be. It's actually my first podcast as well. Um, so, uh, well, we founded Setlock 20 years ago. Um, I was actually at the time in London and I met my business partners. What we wanted always to achieve is digitize global supply chains. So I think we were very early in the game and uh, we've really picked up momentum and the entire topic. And, you know, we, we are uh, so excited about what's happening, what things can be done, all the challenges that are out there. So, um, yes, um, I'm, I'm happy to share our views and um, pass it over to you, Nicholas. Yeah, thanks very much, Guido. Peter, appreciate you having us. Thanks very much. Um, I've been with Setlog in total, I would say, for about 15 years. So I joined uh, Setlog in 2006 as a project manager and, and worked in various roles in product management and, and finally um, executive management. Um, I left the business uh, in 2018 and went actually to London, spent two, two and a half years in London and worked in different roles in advertising technology, which was interesting. But um, I rejoined Setlog in 2021 because... You know, supply chain management, setlock the business, you know, the environment we operate in always felt like home for me. So I had really that that tend to go back to, you know, where I spent so much of my life before. And yeah, as I said, joined in 2021, here for responsible for our North America business. And I look forward to our conversation today. Well, thank you both very much for, again for joining me today. I, I would say that... Um, globalization um, has had its good old days. Um, I just wonder whether those good old days are now gone forever. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, gentlemen? It's really challenging when we, you know, when we talk to customers and um, obviously, um, you know, the risk of sourcing globally, they've risen significantly, whether it's regulation, trade protection, also the costs of, you know, sourcing and logistics have become so volatile. And they've increased, and what's really probably the biggest pain is like um, they've become less predictable, uh, uh, predictable than compared to let's say fifteen or ten or even five years ago. So the risk of doing business is um, has risen significantly, and uh, that is really a huge challenge for everyone out there in the market. Um, and uh, what we're seeing is, you know, what is your, you know, five years ago you wouldn't really worry about placing all your sourcing volumes in China. And we got customers say like, well, what actually happens if they go for Taiwan? If that's something we couldn't even think of, but um, um, you know, since what happened in Ukraine, it's really perceptions have completely changed. Uh, strategies have changed. It has a huge and massive uh, impact. And you know, one customer said to me, "Well, can't we have 
back the good old days of global trade, of globalization. It was all so nice, yet it was challenging, it was hard work, but we could manage it. And um, so, um, but if you ask me personally, then it's a question. I don't think globalization is over, um, especially if you know now look how many sparse capacity you have in China. Yeah, through, through various reasons now, so there will be a lot of price competition coming out of Chinese factories on, you know, many of our customers that, you know, predominantly are consumer products uh, that they manufacture over there. So we will see that the Chinese market from a cost perspective will become very attractive, but at a much higher risk. And, um, you know, this is putting a huge challenge out there to many. So it's, it's really difficult. But how do you diversify into other countries? India, Vietnam. Yeah, so um, it's a huge topic. I, I think, you know, that's a very good point that you're just bringing up the diversification or, you know, what's your strategy moving forward? Do you want to further rely on, on a single source strategy? Do you need to diversify your sourcing, not into, you know, only various suppliers or regions, but maybe also countries, geographies, um, you know, specifically from the US here, what we're seeing, obviously the nearshoring conversation is up and running. Um, what we're seeing here in the US is a lot of, you know, investigations into, okay, can we move production from Asia into Central South America? Can we bring back production into the US? Which is obviously not easy because a lot of the, the knowledge, the expertise is gone for, for decades now. So um, it's definitely a, a current topic that is on top of the agenda of everyone. It, it feels like the supply chain is uh, is resilient to everything that's been thrown at it, certainly historically. Do you remember the good old days, if we can use that expression again, of things yeah. such as ash cloud and simple ships getting stuck in the Suez Canal? And today we've got far more complicated uh, challenges coming our way. Take, for example, COVID. And, and, and my heart goes out to the uh, people affected by the dreadful situation and the uh, Turkey Syria border. All these situations have have massive global impact now. Um, so so how can we help businesses to to be more resilient against these these uh, dis, this extraordinary disruptions that we're having at the moment? Uh, quite frankly, I think um, <laughs> that has always been my personal belief, and it is my belief um, that I think the rate of uh, technical adoption needs to increase. It's still what people call white space. It's still a, a large part of the business is done via email and Excel spreadsheets. And that is just simply not, not efficient. And, you know, there, there, there are other means out there. And it's also a very, it's that I think we need better collaboration between all the supply chain partners. And that's what's always been, you know, driving me personally to facilitate. It's not only a supplier and a customer, let's say the importer. Um, in the UK or in Europe or in the US, and there are suppliers. No, but you got forwarders involved, you got booking agents involved, you got so many various parties. You have quality checks, quality tests, which are being facilitated, um, and, you know, um, in the country of origin. And let's not only look at Asia; it can be Northern Africa, it can be Turkey is a huge market for many products, or or Eastern Europe. And um, I think it's a collaboration. This is what's not underestimated, but it worked somehow. Let's put it that way. It worked somehow. And if you look at, you know, many, many of our customers uh, who are, you know, retail brands and, uh, you know, everything is focused on being customer centric, which is absolutely right. But when it comes to sourcing logistics, ah, that somehow works. They get it done. They work hard. They really know their stuff and they do. Yeah. Um, 
but it's like, you know, we need to get better because there's something like called Amazon and Alibaba there. So there are digital networks that are super scary. Yeah. And, you know, you, you need to react to that. And that's my firm belief. It always has been for 20 years. And the means are all, are all out there. The tools are there. It's just like, you know, how do you implement it? How do you make best use of it? So you're saying uh, perhaps in taking a more of an end-to-end view of the supply chain rather than uh, the, partic- the specific functions of the, within the supply chain operating in, the, in silos. Uh, by, by digitizing, you Absolutely. can create a, a, an overview from end-to-end to, to help smooth, uh, smooth the way over these bumps. That's what's needed. That's what's needed. And, you know, this is also... Well, our software, you know, technology, our approach is, you know, being as integrate as many expert services as possible because there are great forwarders out there that have great systems, but it's only part of the customer's journey. The customer journey starts when the purchase order is being issued to the supplier, let's say in Vietnam, until he receives the goods. But in between that, the journey of the purchase order includes factories, suppliers it has you no know, raw material suppliers you have compliance issues as well it's all touch points of the purchase order then you have the logistics part a booking agent involved so it's really really complex and there don't get me wrong there are great point solutions out there and you know this has always been our approach to our customers to be the single point of entry yeah, so this is how we say we integrate, whether it is, you know, RTTV providers in logistics or have forwarders, you know, integrating via our API. I think from the customer's point of view is you want to have a best of breed approach. This is what you need. You need to be flexible. You need to be agile. You know, when you have problems, we're not talking about, you know, an, an earthquake, which is horrible enough and it has massive impact yeah, um, on many industries um, in Turkey. Yeah, but is if if you have normal problems and you know everything gets faster, gets quicker, you know lead times get shorter. You need to be able to be on top of things, and for that you need you know to get rid of all the media breaks. There are too many data silos, and people do not collaborate. And this is to us. And then I stop because I can talk for hours about that. It it has to be on the same eye level. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, a head of sourcing would go over there to China and says, okay, this is what I want and I want you to do it. Okay, you can do that and you can change supplier for 10 cents per piece in production and then you waste it on one, uh, one euro or one dollar per piece and, you know, air freight costs uh, because uh, the goods are not uh, produced in time. And I think the total cost of ownership of that process, this is really what's needed integrating best practices and, you know, being flexible, being agile to respond to shocks that, you know, we will have now going on uh, onwards. Guido, this sounds like something every business operating in this sphere should have. But um, Nicholas, if I could turn to you, what are there certain barriers to adoption of these technologies? Um, I think that's a great question, Peter. Um, I think what we're seeing today is, and, and not only over the past two to three years due to COVID, um, the Ukraine war, and, and all the horrible things happening in the world, what we're seeing over the past five or six years is that there is increased interest in, you know, let's call it supply chain orchestration software, because that's really what it is, what what Hito just described, orchestrate your supply chain, your network, which is no longer linear than it was maybe 20 years ago. 
Um, the interest is there. What we're seeing is that um, specifically in, in consumer goods uh, industries, consumer packaged goods industries is a kind of slow adoption rate when it comes to new technologies. The technology itself isn't that new anymore, to be honest with you. I mean, we've been around for more than 20 years. Um, but people are, are kind of slow to adopt the capabilities. And I think there are various reasons for that. Um, and all of them may have that legitimate place, uh, whether it's IT capabilities within the businesses, whether it's budgets. Um, oftentimes, my personal opinion, I think we're looking at it from the wrong perspective or businesses are looking at it from the wrong perspective. So they are thinking a lot about, okay, that's going to be a huge invest for us. How much do we need to pay over the next three, five, 10 years if we adopt technology, whereas they should rather look at, okay, what's my return on investment? And specifically, um, you know, the way Setlock operates as a SaaS business, you're no longer looking at a real invest because you're renting a software, you're renting a product. So it's not really, you know, a, a KPEX spend, but it's rather OPEX and you get the return immediately after one or two months because of automation and increased productivity within your staff. And would you suggest that um, the great, well, I imagine it's it's probably goes without saying that the greatest gains can be made by those businesses who rely currently on relatively labor intensive or paper based um, processes. Uh, but what about businesses who have already taken a few steps into the digitization uh, areas? Are there ways that we should, you can help them become even more efficient? I absolutely think so. Um, I think, you know, even businesses who already have systems in place, whether it's ERP, PLM systems, or an RTTV providers um, transportation platform, what they all don't have, or many of them don't have, is that single point of access or single point of truth. Because at least on a, or from a mid-level management level upwards, you want to have a point where you go to where you find all the information you need aggregated in a consumable way. You maybe don't want to go into the nitty-gritty details. That can be done in individual point solutions, but you need to have one place where you find everything for your reporting, for your KPIs, for taking decisions that affect your supply chain operations moving forward. So basically, the answer is I think everybody can really benefit from it. And if you ask me, Peter, those who stop innovating, those who stop adopting new technologies will in the mid, uh, you know, in the long run, be outrun uh, by their competition. I guess that goes without saying in this uh, in the world of today, uh, Guido. Um, what about some of the uh, legislative areas? Um, I'm thinking, in particular, actually, where you're sat today, the German Supply Chain Act, which came into force on the first of January this year, 2023. Um, is there a way that you can help businesses steer their steer a path through that? Uh, what I would suggest is relatively complicated uh, legislation. Um, yeah, it is, and it's it's painful, but it's good. And um, let me add a few more things uh, to the topic that we had before. And um, it's what we find with customers. It's it's probably not even. Over the last three years, sentiment has really changed because what I think what people, many in the business, have experienced is helplessness. This is what we've had from so many discussions. You know, typically the people we speak to, you know, they, you know, 
they know their stuff in supply chain. They know to solve problems. You know, five years ago, a container ship was delayed. They knew what to do. They could handle it. They could manage it. And then over the last three, uh, three years, things happened where you couldn't even do anything. You, you sat there, you looked at a screen, and you, you felt like helpless. A few of customers said, like, there's nothing I could do. I could just sit there and have the chaos unfold. And I think this is, you know, we ha you have a mindset shift. And this is now coming that people say, actually, I want to do something on the operational level. And I knew I need to innovate. I need to digitize my processes. And now you come to the IT department of, normally heavily understaffed at many of you know of our customers and they said like oh there's so many things we have to do we have to integrate forwarders we have a testing institute we need to integrate oh we have an erp update so these are real serious challenges and this is why we you know in the past we were like a solution provider we would code software to the requirements of our customers and we've really changed that to a SaaS offering and we firmly believe in that that you actually consume a product which helps you to solve all the issues in the supply chain but as it is says as it is standard it can integrate it to other systems and um, it's difficult to for some people i think to get behind this but we always tell them you know the complexity of your sourcing and logistics process is not your competitive advantage. It's your product. But now how complicated. People say, I have this process and that. I need to think of that. There is not this perfect solution out there that will solve all your problems today and tomorrow. So this is more like you need to go in steps. And this is when it now comes to legislation, which is not a new you know, um, ball in the game, but it definitely, you know, it came up. But now governments make a, you know, put a very serious eye on you know compliance legislation and so forth and that really is a challenge out there and um again i think you can integrate that we cater for that by integrating various initiatives uh which are out there but in the end it comes down to collaboration getting rid of data silos have people talk in our system we have suppliers connecting to testing institutes to auditors social initiatives or the issuer of certificates they're all integrated as we have a standard product and this is what it's needed because you cannot find as an importing company on all fronts because the problems are getting too many yeah and you need solutions that will help you to simplify complex processes and when it comes to legislation, of course, um, as the editor of Logistics Business magazine, uh, I'm receiving quite a lot of messaging around sustainability in particular, driving carbon out of the supply chain. And it's, um, it's something that businesses are, are really, really taking very seriously. Thank goodness, at last. Um, but it's not an easy thing to do. And I, I think when you're looking at your own particular businesses carbon footprint that's one thing but actually driving down the through the supply chain into the lower tier levels um it's very very difficult to uh, be assured that your suppliers are, are also um complying so is, is there a way that you could, could help steer businesses through that particular um down that particular path i, I yes, think definitely you know, okay Sorry, Guido. I think, Peter, there is, there is, you know, one step that I would like to address before we even, you know, go into how can we affect our supply chain partners in, in getting more carbon neutral. Because what we're seeing in conversations today is that a lot of our customers or, you know, potential customers struggle to 
have transparency in their supply chain down to lower tier levels. Obviously, all of them know their, their commercial partners, their suppliers, their vendors, and maybe their tier two factories. But if you talk about, okay, where do my raw materials come from? And is there any subcontracting and so on? Um, there is no real transparency, at least not, you know, in a central repository in a system. So I think, you know, if we talk about let's get better, how can we improve, you know, our, our carbon footprint, a very, you know, mandatory first step is let's make sure we have supply chain mapping, supply chain transparency into lower tier levels first. You know, so, sorry. Yeah, and also let me add to that. I think um, it's always seen as a cost. And why not flip it around and see it as a competitive advantage? This is what, you know, I think not too many people have really grasped. And even if you're, um, you know, okay, if you're a Patagonia, if you're a Faudé or um, any of these companies, of course, you make your money with the, uh, you know, with being socially extremely well advanced, you know, ecologically very advanced. Um, you know, this is, this is your product, of course. And, um, you, you know, it's priced into your margin. But if you look, but then complying with social laws is, you know, why don't you see it as an investment of knowing more about your supplier base? You can actually do that because today you probably have 500 suppliers, but do you need 500 suppliers? But they just tend to be there because you have a new sourcing guy and he has another new 20 suppliers and so forth. But having using our technology and we tell our customers, why don't you, the more you know about your supplier base, it doesn't have to be tremendously expensive to gain this information and know what are their capabilities, what can they do for you? You can actually start saving costs because you can scale as well on a supplier level. You can aggregate, yeah, you can have economies of scale. And this is something which to me is really intriguing why not too many uh, companies see that yet. But I think that's changing because we're coming away from just a price issue because I would say, look at the total cost of ownership of, you know, sourcing a product, let's say from China, if we take this typical example, look at the total cost of ownership. How can you increase it? How can you share value with your supply chain partners as well? And it will contribute to both margins, to yours and to the suppliers. We're definitely convinced about that. I think we're also seeing uh, greater demands from the consumers for their uh, for, for greener products. So uh, it's not just legislation that's driving that. And um, mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's an intangible value that can be gained by by being green and being not just being seen to be green, but actually having the uh, pure pure facts but to 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 back that up as well to, to demonstrate to your your consumers um i wanted to um ask if there were any uh if you can perhaps talk us through any customer examples um of people of businesses businesses who've benefited from uh the, the set log solutions um is there is there some uh can we say household names out there that we can we, we can talk about Um, yeah, for example, one example, um, if you allow me, is um, here in Germany is Kick. Um, um, you know, um, a very large tailor, uh, a retailer of apparel and very price aggressive. And they use our um, uh, CSR and SRM, other so social compliance and supplier relationship management services of our software suite 
Why do they do that? Because they invest in that. They have understood what I've described before by having more intelligence about my supply chain, by collaborating with my supply chain partners. I, yes, have a cost initially in this case, but it paid off very quickly because you gain more insights into your supply chain. You get a better understanding of it. And um, quite frankly, actually, because um, Kick was one of uh, was one of the uh, suppliers um, or one of the customers in the in, in the Rana Plaza uh, catastrophe that happened, and after that, the owners of the company says, you know, we want to, we need to change because we want to change. We believe in really in change, and. For me, they're really a prime example because they're in a very, again, they're in a very cost-competitive environment. Yeah, but they really see they get the value out of using technology to manage all their um, um, to manage all their requirements. Of course, you cannot be on the shop floor twenty-five, you know, twenty-four-seven, uh, 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 three hundred sixty-five, uh, fifty-six days. Um, you know, that's not what you can do but you can collaborate and you can offer help as well. Yeah, whistleblower systems and all this, you know, when something goes wrong, that you can actually then find a solution. And not change the supplier also, not change the supplier, enable him to become better. I think this is what we we really focus on with our customers. Why does it always have to be, you know, beating on the supplier and then going somewhere else for just a few cents cheaper than, you know, why not help him to improve because it will it will be reflected in the product that he makes. Is it possible using um, uh, your um, Oscar solution, which is the um, online supply chain accelerator, to to identify these challenges or these these issues within the supply chain? And and if so, how how do you go about that? What is the process there, and how how are those changes? How can those changes then be implemented? So, yeah, absolutely, Peter. So, um, you know, we, we can do that on many different levels if you want. So when we talk about supply chain partners, uh, suppliers, factories, subcontractors, obviously uh, what Guido just described, bringing transparency into the supply chain, having audits, um, you know, looking at findings from audits, com- uh, corrective actions and, and remediation helps to identify tasks and processes needed in order to, you know, make the supplier, make the entire supply chain better. And I think, you know, from a from a supply chain execution standpoint, when it comes to, okay, I have a purchase here and I need to, you know, make sure my production is running on time and I need to have my logistics processes in place. Um, we operate a lot with management by exception principle. Um, our software contains milestones and tracks a purchase from order creation until the goods reach the DC. And whenever something goes wrong, whenever a deadline is missed, alerts are thrown um, and everybody gets informed on the same platform at the same time, in real time, actually. And I think um, to all previous points of a single point of access and central orchestration, that is what is actually needed and helps to effectively manage supply chains today in a resilient way. And I think um, a key word there is simplicity as well. Um, you're, you're, you have an overview of a fairly complex situation, but this has to be presented in a way that's, uh, that, that can be understood um, in, in, to, to, to the average person, shall we say. I, I guess that's the, uh, the element of simplicity that you bring into this complex, uh, complex uh, system. You know, on one hand, you need to have the functionality that is needed to manage operations. There need to be details available for people involved in daily operations. 
but then you need to be able to aggregate and you know summarize information in a consumable digestible way in order to take quick action it's the name of the game making compli complicated things easy and and not i'm not i'm i'm not saying we achieved that 100% but we we, we try to let's put it that way we try to um, i think that is the name of the game it is horribly complex and it's getting ever, um, ever more complex um, but what we tell also our customers, you know, transparency, I think that's a value driver. Transparency goes in both ways. It is also that, you know, why do suppliers play along? Because they get a benefit out of it, out of collaborating on a central platform with their customers. They integrate with their customers. And over time, what has happened, what we're seeing is that actually the relationship between our customers and their supplier base, it, it, it um, intensifies. Trust is being built. You're not jumping for five cents. No, you're getting 50 cents out of the processes that you optimize, where you're getting better, where you're not writing emails anymore. So this is what is, you know, is really important. Transparency goes both ways and also sharing value goes both ways. It is important and it works because then it does work. The days where you say like, okay, I'm the boss. I manage the way that that's, I want the supply chain to be managed. And how you, these days are over. This is not how it works anymore. This is, no, this is not how you generate value. I'm also, uh, I also hear from industry that um, the security of the supply chain is a, uh, a very, very significant factor. Um, again, is that an area in which you can, you can give assurances? Yes, I think that's... Security. Oh. Well, so, so from my from my side, the the, the question is regarding um, ensuring that goods arrive uh, intact um, within with, within the right conditions. Um, that the the whole amount ordered is is the whole amount that okay. gets received. Yes, absolutely. Um, that is that is a key part of our solutions portfolio. If you want. Um, because we track, you know, purchases, as I said previously, from, from their creation until they are received at the warehouse. And we always take care of, okay, what is the quantity that has been ordered, that has been confirmed? How much has been shipped already? Do we look at, you know, partial shipments? Um, so that is tracked. And, you know, historically, we're working with a lot of fashion and apparel brands. You know, we're not just talking about quantities, but even on a SKU level, meaning color and size grids. Um, so that is a very, very crucial detail for us in our day-to-day -day work. On top of that, I might add, you know, specifically looking into um, when you say import security programs such as CTPAD here in the U.S., you know, the information that our system houses can be used in advance to communicate with authorities to make sure that they have all information um, they need for a specific shipment to clear customs, to clear import regulations fast so that you can really get the goods onto the shop floor as soon as possible. Well, I can't believe that uh, the conversation has moved to such a point where we've already been talking for half an hour, which um, I, I would suggest is a, a, a nice time to, um, to draw a line under our first ever edition of Logistics Business Conversations. Uh, it's been a very engaging conversation, I have to say, and I believe that uh, it's something that is relevant to everyone in the logistics sector. Uh, whether they've taken their first journey into digitization or not. But there's certainly gains to be made for every business by looking at their supply chain from a, a holistic perspective. 
Um, so I just wanted to say to you both, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. To, to Guido and Nicholas, it's been a real honour speaking with you. Thank you for your contribution. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again, perhaps in the future at some point. Uh, for me, Peter McLeod, I just wanted to say thank you very much for, to the listener for tuning in to our first edition of Logistics Business Conversations. And uh, to Guido and Nicholas, goodbye and thank you very much. Mm-hmm.